This is Might Sound Wild, a podcast for business owners, creatives, and anyone who wants to do what they love for a living. Hosted by Ron Wayne Scott and April Loyal. We asked our social media followers and our own team, what advice would you give to new photographers or to someone who's considering becoming a photographer? We'll share some of those responses as well as our own advice coming up on this episode of the Might Sound Wild podcast. If you're enjoying the Might Sound Wild podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and review. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll get a notification every time we release a new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Might Sound Wild. Well, we got all kinds of little advice from some of our photographers that work with us with Shore Shooters and um, Mountain Escape. And Ron, you've kind of got a little list that we can go through and elaborate on. Yeah, uh, I want to start off with one of our own photographers, one of our Shore Shooters guys who um, said, it, there's, this is kind of a two for one here. He said, gear is great, but if your clients don't like you, you won't get to use your gear. <laughs> also, procrastination is creativity poison. So we'll Ooh, address yeah. both of those. The first one, we tell our shore shooters and mountain escape people this all the time, that personality is a big part of the job. Because mm-hmm. we have had people shoot for us in the past who were great photographers, but the clients didn't really like them because they Mm -hmm. didn't have a great personality. And then we've also had the other side of that too. We've Mm -hmm. had people who were not great photographers, but had great personalities and everybody loved them. That seems to go over better. (laughs) It does. It does. It seems like sometimes it seems like personality is more important than being a good photographer. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good thing, though. I think that um, photography is kind of up for interpretation. You you can't just call. I mean, there are obvious things that would say that person's like, you know, not a great photographer. But for the most part, it's up for interpretation, just like all art. So what looks good to one consumer may not be the same to another, which goes to show you that, you know, no matter how talented you are or how good you are or how many Instagram likes you're getting on your, your stuff, your personality is going to be what makes or breaks, you know, the whole experience for your client. Definitely. Definitely. And the second part of what this person said, also procrastination is creativity poison. I could spend a lot of time there. (laughs) I I think procrastination is, uh, it's, it's a big thing for creative people. Huge. Creative people procrastinate on everything. So yeah, oh my god. Uh, so yeah, just just do it. Just well, here's get up and do it. Okay, Ron. Well, that's coming from you. You're a just do it kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, but if before we move on, if if you find procrastination is holding you back from, we have so many episodes where we try to encourage people to get into a routine. Um, we have episodes talking about treating this like a real job. You know, like. You know, we just, we have endless episodes because we understand, we know from the creative side that you being the creative person, what would be your advice to somebody? You can say you being a procrastinator. (laughs) Um, Well, okay. I'm not saying that, but uh, (laughs) you, you are one of those extremely creative people. So how do you motivate yourself to get out of that procrastination and just go for it? Well, 
for me, I've, I've noticed this pattern over the many years that have, that's held me back, which is that I get really in the zone and in the mood to do something at a time where it's not super convenient, right? Like you need models and a locate, you need to set this up. So what'll happen is I'll commit to that, you know, reach out. And so in that time of, you know, desiring to create something, I'll reach out to people, set it up. And, you know, that can be a couple weeks away. And by the time that rolls around, it's just left me. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the zone. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I can yeah. care less. I don't that's, feel the passion. That's something that's really funny because me and you are very different in a lot of ways. But that is one thing that you and I have in common because we are both the type that something, an idea will come to us and we got to do it right now. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea hits you and it's like, okay, I got to make this happen right now. And that's, that's something that the two of us have in common because we are both that way. I hate that because I feel like by the time it rolls around, I've kind of lost the enthusiasm for it and I'm just not creating exactly what I, what I thought or what I expected. But honestly, honoring the commitment and showing up and doing it either way, trying your best, at least putting forth some effort to what your idea was. Um, this is when like Pinterest can be your best friend because while you're gathering those ideas, you can go and save a board, you know, try and try and reach back out to that time and get inspired all over again. You know, it's, it takes, it's kind of like, you know, the creative muscle needs working out. I mean, that's really what it is. Just like your physical body, you have to train it and you have to stay on top of it. And you can't just, you can't just, um, strike whenever it's hot, you know, you have to go back and have a little discipline in that area. And I will say another thing about procrastination before we move on is I've met with some people on our team before where they, they tend to procrastinate as well because they're a creative type. And when I've tried to get to the bottom of what that, you know, the source of it, you know, what causes it, they, the response is usually that they get too in their own head overthinking what they're trying to do. And what happens is they end up getting paralyzed and can't do anything because they've thought yeah. too hard about it. Um, so I would say how you were saying, just do oh, yeah. it. There, there's some truth to just do it. And what that means is just put forth anything is better than nothing. Like don't overthink something to the point of where you just don't do it at all. Um, Cause wow, you know, what's the point of that? So put forth a little effort, try anyway, try if you're scared, try if you're overthinking it, you know, set yourself deadlines. That helps a lot too with procrastination. Like give yourself the deadline, you know? Exactly. And then stick to it. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I also posted on my uh, personal Facebook and got some response there too. Uh, One from um, a photographer that I know here in Kentucky where I live. And he Uh said, don't get wrapped up in the gear. Learn the equipment you have. And the way I take that is... um, I think some photographers just get this idea in their head that if I get the latest, greatest, most expensive equipment, that's going to make me a good photographer. Right. And that's not how it works. No. Uh, your camera may be old. You may have bought a used camera to get started out, but that's fine. Learn how mm-hmm. to use that before you go into buying all the expensive stuff because if you go out and buy a $10,000 camera, it doesn't, it doesn't instantly mean that you're going to take great pictures just because you have an expensive camera. 
Sure. You, you can buy the most expensive camera on the market, but if you put it in automatic mode, your pictures are still not going to be good. It's like the biggest insult, I think, at shoots whenever somebody comments on your gear and basically yeah. insinuates that that's why you're good. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, remember- a, that's that's kind of a joke among the photography community is mm-hmm. clients saying, you take really good pictures. You must have an expensive camera. Or Yeah, yeah. I remember years ago, Trisha likened it to like chefs like yeah to prepare yeah, I've, a fantastic yeah, I've, I've like that, you must have a good stove yeah i've heard that comparison too is uh yeah. you go into a restaurant and uh the cook comes out and says hey i've seen your photography work you must have an expensive camera and then you respond back to him well you make really good whatever you must have a great stove back there right right <laughs> yeah um but here's here's so, a good rule so yeah of- learn your gear Here's a good rule of thumb I think to follow when considering gear. Like you obviously will be limited by what you have, you know, what what oh, you sure. have available sure. to you. So if you're starting out with say, you know, fair to midland, kind of like mid-price gear, I think when you know it's time to upgrade is when you know the limitations because you know your gear so well. So for yeah. example, say you only have, you know, a kit lens or like a lens that only has like a F4 capability or something like that. And you realize at some point that it is holding you back, that you would do better with a lower F-stop or, you know, the sensor on your camera is cropping and like, there's a reason why, you know, you need full frame until you know exactly that it is holding you back. Then I would continue to work with what you have. Continue to push it, do your best, learn, learn those settings, like know how to manipulate them. And then when you can see a clear difference, when you, when you're, when you're in Lightroom and your brain goes, well, if I had this equipment, I wouldn't be dealing with this, say noise from ISO or something like that. Yeah. That's when you go, okay, well then I need to upgrade because I can do better with this. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I want everybody to understand, I'm not saying don't go out and buy good equipment. You do need to buy good equipment, but until you understand how to use that equipment, right, you're not going to be a good photographer. So mm-hmm. buy good equipment, but just don't have this expectation that if I buy something really expensive, that's going to make me a good photographer. Because right. it's not all about what type of equipment you have. It's about knowing how to use it. So learn how to use that equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and then also I had several comments uh, from people. I'm going to kind of just bunch all of those into one, but a lot of people uh, said, basically learn the settings of your camera, which kind of goes back to what I said a few minutes ago about if you just throw it on automatic, it doesn't matter what kind of camera you have, (laughs) your pictures are not going to be good. So, uh, so yeah, learn YouTube is a great thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's very easy. You don't have to go to a photography school or anything to learn how to use those settings on your camera. You can just YouTube it, Google it, and you'll learn how to use those camera settings. We have an old episode where we really broke it down, really broke it down. Like, start. I was, I was looking for that one and I think it was, uh, I think it was like fall of 2021, I think is when we did that. Holy cow. So if you want to learn your camera settings, go back, uh, uh, go back through the old episodes of this podcast. And there is one somewhere in the 
around, uh, I think it was like August or September of 2021, where we break down the camera settings. So uh, just go look for that if you're uh, not sure what each one of those settings uh, are for on your camera. And it kind of explains it all in uh, really easy to understand English for mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one other, one, oh, one other on. one I want to share from, uh, from our Facebook group. And I'm going to say who he is because this guy is just so funny. Chris Wingo. He is one of our shore shooters photographers. And uh, the guy should, probably should have been a comedian, I think. <laughs> he's a theater kid. I just want to let everybody know he's a theater yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, his advice was, the mom of the group will help you keep things rolling. But if you can get dad to start smiling, well, then the rest of the shoot will be all smiles. That's so true. That's, that is a that is a very good point. Try to win dad over. Oh, it's always a challenge with the men. So I photograph a lot of couples more than families. I usually bring them a six pack or um, if I think I can nail their personality beforehand, I'll make like a playlist specifically for dad. Um, like if I think, you know, you can kind of yeah. tell. And I think I usually do that pretty good. And I, and I, I have my phone in my back pocket. Usually just have like, you know, if I forget a speaker, usually have music on cause there's just such awkward silence otherwise. And, um, especially with couples with kids, like there's plenty to distract you, plenty to go through, but like with couples, like they're just grown adults sitting there waiting for you to make them awkwardly stare at each other romantically or like dance and stuff like that. So the music really, really helps. And, um, they don't even realize and like, I'm totally manipulating the situation with my beer and playlist because they are having a good time. Like they don't even realize oh, yeah. it. And um, I've always, I've always felt like if at the end of the shoot, if the guy, whether that's the dad or the boyfriend or the husband or whatever he is, if mm -hmm. he comes up to you and says, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I feel like that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. If you can get the guy yes, to say, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be then you've done good. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy okay. recently um, reach back out to me and be like, I usually don't like to do stuff like this, but because I had posted a picture from their shoot yeah. on my Instagram and he DM'd me and was like, but we can do it again whenever you want. <laughs> well, that's good. Now that's really good. That's really good. If you can get the, if you can get the guy to say, we can do this again, then you've done really good. What about your Instagram? Do we have stuff from there? Did you get? Well, I was figuring uh, we could take a break. We're about halfway through, and I'll come okay. back and let you know a couple of things that came through on my end. Yeah, and then we'll also give you our own advice to wrap it up. Coming up on the Might Sound Wild podcast. Hey guys, it's Brianna Lacosta. I'm the social media manager for Mountainscape, Shore Shooters, and Might Sound Wild. I want to invite you to stay connected with us. We post regularly and we want to see you interact with us. You can find Shore Shooters and Mountainscape through Instagram and Facebook. You can follow Might Sound Wild on Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. Okay, so Aiden came through and said, he said something about how he worded it in his 19 year old language was like, don't start your entire brand. That's not how he said it, but oh, don't do your whole feel in sepia, which really cracked me up because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard that, you know, term in a long time, but we're that takes you back to the early two thousands, doesn't it? Oh, heck yeah. I've got like a million pictures of my own kid and dog and sepia. Oh, sure. but, we um, all love that sepia back in the early two thousands, <laughs> didn't we? It reminds me of like the old timey photos. Like I think we were all kind of into that or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think that Aiden is right 
on a huge thing, if we could just talk about it for just a second, and this was going to be the advice that I, I was leading me right into the personal advice I was going to offer anyway, okay. which is you just have to be careful with trendy photography because and it's there's a fine line between staying relevant, staying, you know, staying booked, you know, um, and crossing over into such an extreme trend that you're regretting the way that you've built your whole brand, you know, four or five years from now, because these trends come and go super fast. They do. Yes. Um, so a good rule of thumb, I feel like I've used that term a lot in this episode. <laughs> so a good thing to to keep in mind, I think, is that class, classic photography will always be, it'll never go out of style, right? Just like, just like with clothes. I yeah. always like refer to to people like Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep, like they all, they look good for 30, 40 years because they're always wearing a classic button down in denim, right? Like it's the same yeah. thing. You don't want to, um, you don't want to be someone who gets lost in right now. And I'm not picking on anybody. This is just a trend. I've talked about it. I've found a way to work it into almost every episode. So you guys know it's on my brain. The over warm saturation trying to make it look like a sunset when there is no dang sunset. This editing right now is already something that people consider trendy and want to see go away. But photographers are sticking with it because what what happens is when you get your flow down and when you start building a brand, it's really difficult to come away from it. Like if you yeah. were, if, even if you recognize, hey, my work is too warm or these presets are overdone, everyone has them, you're going to find it really scary to break away and do something that looks a little different than that, or you're going to feel like it doesn't line up or match with your brand. Like once you start trying to edit differently, you're going to think that stands out too much and doesn't match. And you're going to get in your head about it. And you're going to, you're going to pigeonhole yourself into this certain type of photography or this certain style of editing is really what it is. When in actuality, if you would just stick close to what the photograph originally looked like is my one point. And you can never, ever go wrong with black and white. Um, that will always be something that people are drawn to. It's always classic. That's always going to be around. Mm-hmm. Now, we used to say, let's let's get into this for a second, too. Back in the day, we were really, really sticklers. And we still are with shore shooters because it's just high volume and we have to do what works for us. But let's talk about just personal brands, not big companies like shore shooters. Okay. Back in the day, we used to always be really hell-bent on keeping a virtual copy in the gallery because just sure enough, oh goodness, you made something black and white, didn't keep the original, they want color. I've really pulled away from that. On your personal level, to cover your butt, definitely keep virtual copies of everything. You should have originals of everything. But I do not believe a gallery has to be loaded with color and then a virtual copy black and white. I think it actually looks kind of silly and takes away from that black and white moment. So if you're show, I'm just talking on personal brand. We cannot do that with short shooters. I'm say that yeah. a bunch of times. If you're a short shooters editor, do not follow this advice. But on your personal brand, <laughs> um, on your personal brand, if you feel that a photograph is meant to be black and white, you created it for that reason. The moments there, the blur, the intimacy, like whatever reason you chose to keep it that way, I do not feel like you have to be obligated to keep a color copy for your clients in their gallery. I think you should on a personal note, but, um, that's just something that I feel like is part of, um, the, you know, part of creating something that the way that you see it, the way that you want it to be, and you should have that freedom to do that. Um, but sticking with, don't forget when you're going, when you're cruising through Lightroom and you've got, you know, a couple hundred photos there, just 
as you're halfway through your editing, I would just recommend that you check back that original, you know, hit that little button, you know, which one it is guys hit that little button and look at your original and just make sure you're not so far from it. Uh, you'll regret it if you get yeah. too far from the original image. Yeah. I've Ooh. never been big on trends just because mm-hmm. things are always changing. Like you mm-hmm. said, trends last a few months and then they're gone. And if you build your brand around whatever the cool trend is right now, your brand is going to be irrelevant in a few months from now. So um, yeah. fine to be trendy for maybe one picture to post on Instagram, but don't build your whole brand around uh, being trendy. I remember saying years ago with Shore Shooters, 25 or 30 years from now, if somebody's still got one of their pictures from a Shore Shooters session hanging on the wall, I don't want somebody to be able to walk up to it and go, oh, that picture must have been taken in 2023. I can tell by the way it looks. Exactly. Uh, I want it to still look relevant no matter what. Funny thing on that, I've got uh, a picture of my son when he was like three years old. And at the time, a friend of mine was running the Walmart portrait studio. And she wanted to take some pictures of my son at the Walmart portrait studio. And it was, you remember the backgrounds with like the laser beam? Oh the, yeah. The laser in the, the, the yeah. those backgrounds. And it's so funny because it's like, anybody can look at that picture now and go, that was taken in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the goal is try to make your pictures to where nobody's going to be able to look at it and go, that picture was taken in such and such year. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's fun. Like I love looking back at the pictures from the sixties and stuff. There's that red tone, you know, remember which one I'm talking about. And then somehow that red tone in film circles back in the eighties. So like I have pictures of myself as a little girl and it's cool. I mean, it's so cool to like look back and see, but guys, that was film stock. That's how, that's how stuff was printed. This is, you're operating in a time where that's not a thing, unless you're doing it on purpose. This is Lightroom. We're talking about digital is like as clean and clear as it gets. You're not going to get the, you're not going to get the tones coming through anymore, which is, it's a shame. Like, you know, I miss that, you know, there would be decades where you could look and go, that's the sixties, that's the seventies, you know, like depending (laughs) on the the film stock and that, that those days are gone um, for the most part. So you're, you don't want to be the digital version of that. I wouldn't think right. like you wouldn't want to get right. stuck in like the early two thousands. Like, Oh my gosh, Trish and I laugh because there were times when they were like, remember the white vignettes and like, Oh yeah. I remember all that. that. And the selective um, color. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That, something's the worst. Um, Everything's in black and white except for anything that's red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just uh man. That's ugly. But I yeah. think um, keeping it true to like as close as, as you can to your, your image is a safe way to start building. And you can play with it as you grow and change it up. And as long as you're backing up all your original images, you can always revisit them. If you did, you know, go to a style that you're like, oh, why was I doing that? What was I doing? Because we all do that. Um, I still do that. So, yeah, you just want to make sure you keep it, keep it real. Keep it true. All right. So we'll wrap up with my advice. Um, if you're done, I guess we can. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, about, right? I am. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so my advice, uh, is more from the business and financial, uh, side of things. And I would say if you are just starting out as a photographer, don't quit your day job. Unless oh, yeah. of course, 
if you have a spouse who makes enough money to cover all the bills and feed the family and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're single or you're, you know, on your own, don't just up and quit your job and say, I'm going to be a photographer and I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in the first year because yeah. it's a, it's a very competitive business and uh, mm-hmm. it, it might not happen. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to what I did when I first started shore shooters. And I think my uh, strategy was kind of what put us in place to be where we are today. Mm-hmm. I, I still had a full-time job. Right. And it was, I'll tell you, it was really tough in the summertime because uh, if you don't know anything about our business or beach photography, basically what we do is we do family pictures on the beach at sunrise and sunset. So that first, well, the first couple of years, my schedule during the summertime was get up at four o'clock in the morning, check email, all that kind of stuff, go out to the beach do a session on the beach at sunrise, come back home, dump those pictures onto the computer, then go to my full-time job, and then at lunch, come back home, answer some emails, try to edit some pictures, schedule some appointments, then go back to work again for the afternoon. Then when the day was over, come home, edit pictures, answer emails, book appointments, all that kind of stuff until sunset, and then go out at sunset, do beach pictures again, come home, dump those onto the computer, go to bed, get up at four o'clock the next morning and start it all over again. And it was a rough schedule during the summer months for those first couple of years, Mm -hmm. but I stuck with it because I didn't want to give up a guaranteed paycheck for something that I didn't know whether or not it was going to work. And then when it finally got to the point to where I looked at the bank account and said, wait a minute, I've made more money off of this photography thing than I have at my full-time job. Okay, so now the photography is making more than the full-time job, so now I can quit the full-time job. Yeah. And that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, that's just being responsible. Yeah, that's that's my advice. And another thing is don't go into a whole bunch of debt to get it started. Take it slow. Yeah, that's a good one. That's another good thing about the way I started was because when I started out, I had that full-time job that was paying my bills, buying the groceries, paying the rent, all that kind of stuff. So the money that I was making from photography was going right back into the photography business. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was a big help. So that is, um, yeah. I, I wasn't having to give myself a paycheck from the photography work that I was doing because I had a full-time job that was giving me a paycheck. So the photography money stayed into photography. I think a lot of people look at it like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make four or $500 a session. I'm going to do that, you know, every night or, and same with weddings, you know, I'm going to make a couple grand on the weekends and they are not even considering the expenses that go into it, like client delivery services or, you know, Google ads oh, or, sure. you know, take equipment out of it even, you know, there's always that and uh, people just aren't really thinking about what goes into you know, you know, website fees, just things that are going to occur, whether you're doing the job or not, because these things are monthly. Yeah. So whether you've got a yeah, job, you or whether to, you're booked or working, you know, it's, yeah, you need to it's advertise there. Those expenses are there. Yeah. You're right. going to have to have some kind of client management system because, right. um, uh, especially if you're doing a lot of shoots. So, I mean, you're, you're talking 
you know, there's a monthly fee right there. Um, delivery, have, yeah, photo delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to deliver those pictures. So you're going to mm -hmm. have to have some kind of a delivery system, mm -hmm. pick, set, pick time, something like that, uh, mm -hmm. in order to deliver those pictures to the clients. So it's, it's not all profit. Not all that money is going right. into your pocket. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh, a really big chunk of it is going to come out. So, right. Right. So and it can be done. Case. We're not being discouraging. It can be done. You just need to think about it is what we're saying. Don't um, just yeah. be like, oh, wow, I just made, you know, I'm, I could do this twice a week and make, you know, $1,000 and that's better than yeah. working yeah, it's at. Not, you not know. necessarily, you know, if you do a $5,000 wedding, you're not going to put $5,000 in your pocket. There's right. going to be a lot of that's going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. So there you go. There is our advice for new photographers um, or anybody who's wanting to get started as a photographer. Hope this is uh, helpful. If you are in that situation, if you're just getting started or if you're wanting to start as a photographer. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, podcast schedule now is the first Wednesday of each month. We come out with a new episode. So uh, we will talk to you again the first Wednesday in August for another episode of the Might Sound Wild podcast.